I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for your word today. Because it's a lamp unto our feet, it's a light unto our path. And we believe, Father, that your word will bring breakthrough for our lives. And Father, as I minister to those who are in this room that are married, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that your word says, when God has joined together, let no man put asunder. And I decree this over this crowd now that... Everyone here today, Father, will stay connected. They will stay in unity. They will stay together, Father, in the name of Jesus. And I pray that the word that will be shared over the next four weeks will build them up, will change their lives, will strengthen their relationships. And most of all, Father, they will grow in you in such a way that people will see them and see you. As I step back, I thank you for the Holy Spirit who's already here to minister to each one of us. And I'm open to his direction and his voice. Thank you for using me in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Today starts our Survivor Series, which we do every year. And this is when we use our Sunday morning services to split where our 9 o'clock services are for our married couples and our 11 o'clock services are for our single or non-married individuals. And this allows me as a pastor to minister to each group in a very unique way. It's, It's like providing counseling to each person in a group setting. Now, this series will last the whole month of September, so if you're married... This is the right service for you. So if you're visiting us and you didn't really know what's going on, well, for the whole month of September, our 9 o'clock services will be for those who are married. Now, our theme this year is called Uncensored. Everybody say Uncensored. And this means that I will be talking about things that need to be discussed, and I will sometimes say them without a filter. I would encourage each one of you, to come to church every Sunday because I will be saying some things that you have either been saying to your spouse and they're not listening or I'm going to say some things that you want to say to your spouse and you haven't been able to say. Now, today's topic affects the core of every marriage because it impacts each person in the marriage. And if you're taking notes, our title is Me, My Spouse, and God. Me, my spouse, and God. And this lesson deals with self-esteem. Because most marriages are in jeopardy before they start because there can be no, there can be no unity until there's first wholeness. I'm going to say that again. Most marriages are in jeopardy because they start because, listen, 
Before there can be unity, there first must be wholeness. And many people, when they get married, they're not whole. They are looking for someone to make them whole. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to find Psalm 139, verse 13, verse 13, Psalm 139, verse 13. And then we're going to look in Job chapter 12, verses 1. That was Psalm 139, 13. And then Job or Job, if you need one, chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now, as you find those verses, let me lay some ground rules. Everybody say ground rules. Let me lay some ground rules for our time together for the next four weeks. Here's the first ground rule is that you need to listen to the messages with only you in mind, Pastor Che. Listen to the messages with only you in mind. Because if you have your spouse in mind, you will miss what God is trying to say to you. Here's the second rule. Any discussions that are initiated by you about the lessons that we talk about outside of church to your spouse should only be about how you can change and improve. In other words, once you all leave here and you bring up a discussion about what was talked about, if you initiate the conversation, it can only be how you are going to change. Amen. Number three, no hitting, kicking, eye service, or eyeing, or excessive amens while in church doing the message. Now, now y'all know what an excessive amen is, right? Yeah, that is right there. Amen. Amen, pastor. And I'm not saying don't amen. I'm just saying don't be excessive about it. Every point I make, amen. Here's the last one. Please remember that there will be times that I will be prophetic. And that your spouse did not secretly talk to me about you all's business. Okay, because there are times where people come up to me and one of them is mad because they think the other one told me about what's going on. I don't know what's going on. Your spouse did not send me an email. That's just God reading your mail. So let's start out by answering the question, what is self-esteem? What is self-esteem? It can be defined as how a person values themselves, how a person values themselves, which then affects how they see themselves and how they feel about themselves. And some of you are probably wondering, why am I talking about this subject? It's because most people, when they get married, their self-esteem is not where it needs to be. Amen. Now. Let's start out first before we jump into the lesson. Let's start out with God's perspective on how, uh, who we are and how he's made us to be. Let's start with that as truth and that being the foundation of our journey. All right. And so let's go to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. We're going to look in verse 13 and I hope I get to finish here. Uh, Psalm 139. We're going to look in verse 13 and I am reading out of the King James Version. It says, now this was David talking about God. It says, for he has possessed my reins. He has covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you 
for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and my soul knows that right well. My substance was not hid from you when I was made in secret, and curiously you wrought in the lower parts of the earth. Verse 16. Your eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all of my members were written, which is incontinence were in fashion, when as yet there was none of them. Verse 17. How precious! Also are your thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I will still, uh, I am still with you. Now I'm going to read that out of the Living Bible because I feel it gives a better, it helps us more. It says, you, you made all the delicate inward parts of my body. You knit them together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. It is amazing to think about. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know that. You were there when I was being formed in utter seclusion. You saw me before I was born and you scheduled each day of my life before I begin to breathe. Every day has been recorded in your book how precious it is. Lord, to realize that you are thinking about me constantly, I can't even count how many times a day your thoughts turn towards me. And when I awaken in the morning, you are still thinking about me. What is God's perspective about us? God's perspective is he loves us and how he made us, he's happy with. In fact, this whole verse kind of lines up with Jeremiah 29, 11, which says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you an expected end. In other words, God's perspective towards us is good, is healthy. And so what I'm going to do throughout the lesson is to help us identify why is it that some of our self-esteem have been damaged. Now, let me give you a take-home thought. Everybody say a take-home thought. Here's a take on thought, and it's deep, so I want you to listen to it. How can a perfect God, who makes everything perfect, make a mistake when he got to you? Touch your spouse and say, he's talking to you right now. I'm going to repeat that. How can a perfect God, who makes everything perfect, make a mistake when he got to you? Guess what? He didn't make a mistake when he got to you. Amen. And that's why if God made your nose that way, you should be happy about it. Now, Ecclesiastes 3, one says, or 3.11, it says that God made everything beautiful in his time. And here's the reason why most of us cannot accept how God has made us and created us. It's because our focus is on the wrong part of us. See, when God created us, he did so in his image and after his likeness, which means, watch this now, if there is something wrong with me, then there must be something wrong with God. I'm going to say that again. God made us in his image. He made us after his likeness, according to Genesis chapter 1. And if he did so, if something is wrong with me, then there must be something wrong with God. Now listen, God's image that he made us in is spirit. Everybody say spirit. Spirit. So if my self-esteem starts with the outside, 
Not only will it be inconsistent, but it will be low as well. But self-esteem was not designed to start from the outside. Self-esteem was designed to start from the inside. And many of us, our self-esteem is based on the outside. And that's why we're not happy with us. Amen. So how does low self-esteem or poor self-esteem affect a marriage? Well, here's the first time. First thing. Anytime a broken person enters into a marriage, they typically come into it with a need for someone to fix their brokenness. I'm going to say that again. Anytime a broken person comes into a marriage relationship, they typically come into that relationship with a need for someone to fix them. And that's why I believe it's a misstatement or a wrong expectation, listen, that God uses your spouse to heal you. Now, I know you've heard that many times, but it's a wrong expectation. And here's why. What happens if they don't heal you? What happens if they don't know how to heal you? What kind of pressure does that put on them? And then ultimately, what kind of expectation does the person who is broken come into the relationship with? In other words, you come into the relationship broken, but you believe God's going to use your spouse to heal you. And you end up broken because you had a misguided expectation. Amen. So does God use your spouse to heal you? No. But I do believe God uses your spouse to love you. And when your spouse loves you unconditionally, love gives you a glimpse of God's unconditional love and acceptance for you. Therefore, that should push you towards God. And guess what? When you get towards God, he's the healer. Amen. Now, here's another way that low self-esteem affects a marriage. It affects a marriage because low self-esteem produces insecurity. And insecurity always breeds jealousy, fear, and distrust. So now you become suspicious of everything and everybody. See, this is why I'm trying to help somebody right now. This is why your spouse has you to check in. Just like you have a barcode on your body. At every pit stop, you got to check in. Where you at right now? Well, I'm at the light at Beltline. You ride five more miles, he calls again. Where you at? Well, I'm still at the light at Beltline. When you have low self-esteem, it causes you to be insecure. And insecurity breeds jealousy. And that's why people who are married... That are insecure have big problems because they, listen, they're trying to to manage a marital relationship through mistrust and fear. Here's another reason why low self-esteem affects a marriage. It's because it causes a person to assume the worst and perceive, watch this now, the negative. In other words, you live in fear. And where there's fear, there has to be little love because the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. So it puts pressure on your spouse to have to prove everything to you. Just because your last boyfriend or girlfriend cheated on you, why have you brought that experience into your current relationship? So now your current spouse has to prove everything. That's why they have to say they love you a million times. 
Amen. You should have heard it on 999. Low self-esteem in a marriage brings stress and disunity because you consistently argue over the same petty stuff which eventually separates you emotionally. Amen. So what are the causes of poor self-esteem? Now I'm about to give you some reasons why. Because some of us didn't, uh, it happened to us by default. It's not like we just decided to, to have low self-esteem one day. What causes poor or low self-esteem? Here's the first one. Undesired fe- uh, physical features. Undesired physical features. In other words, some people have low self-esteem because they don't like their physical man. They don't like, you know, that, you know, they don't have a forehead anymore. They have a five head. <laughs> Come on, men. They don't like, you know, their nose is too big. They don't like, you know, their height. They don't like this. They don't like that. But again, your self-esteem was never designed to be built around your physical man. It was designed to be built around, watch this, the new creation that you are in Christ Jesus. But even, watch this, but, but God did not pass you up. He wanted you to look like you look. And if God is okay with how you look, you need to be okay with how you look. So people get poor self-esteem through undesired physical features. Here's number two. And that's why we have all this stuff going on. You know, you have all these surgeries. Yeah. Number two, perceived or real negative experiences from childhood. Notice I said perceived or real negative experiences. See, sometimes things that have happened to us when we were kids... Okay, it's not really just what happened. It's our perception of what happened. So if something really happened that was negative, then, of course, that damages our self-esteem. Here's number three, physical, mental or verbal abuse of any kind. And, of course, under physical, that's sexual. So if you've experienced physical, mental or verbal abuse of any kind, that damages your your self-esteem. Here's number four, constant negative criticism of yourself or from others. That's what creates negative self-esteem. When you were growing up and all the kids talked about you. Okay. Uh, I was talking to someone recently and when they were young, their ears were big. But now when you see them as an adult, their ears fit their head. Their head was just slow to grow when they were little. Okay. And even though their ears on their head is okay now, they're still damaged by what the kids said to them when they were little. Here's the next one. Sin causes low self-esteem. And we were all born in sin. And so sin in itself causes low self-esteem. Here's the next one. Because see, sin will get you in stuff and you'll do stuff, especially when you weren't saved. You got involved in stuff that you were ashamed of. And sin will cause you to have poor self-esteem. Here's the next one. This is big. Comparing yourself to others. And see, what happens is marriage people do this in the marriage. It's like, did you see what John and Amber, they just bought a new car? Well, why don't you celebrate them and go buy them a gas car? <laughs> Comparing yourself. And write down 2 Corinthians 10 verse 12. It says, that, for we dare not to make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. 
But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. It is not wise to compare yourself to someone else. Let me tell you why. Because any time the comparison game starts, somebody has to lose. Here's the next reason why uh, these are causes of low self-esteem is rejection. Rejection. And everybody to a certain degree have experienced rejection, but you have different kinds or different ways that rejection happened. Rejection could have happened from birth. And see, some people who deal with rejection on a heavy level don't realize that they got that rejection way before they came out of the womb. See, there are times when, let's say a woman got pregnant and she got pregnant by some guy she didn't want to get pregnant by. And so the whole time during her pregnancy, she hated the fact that she got pregnant by him. Which, which, watch this, which is sending a message to the baby, I don't want you. And so that baby, watch this, feels rejection. And therefore comes out of the womb with rejection. So sometimes it's from birth. Sometimes it's from childhood. And sometimes it's just from life events. And here's the thing. People who have experienced rejection are so self-conscious that they think others are thinking about them what they think about themselves. I mean, it's a twisted mindset. See, rejection plays a negative recording in the mind and the hearts of people who who have it. And here's the thing. They're the only ones that can stop the recording. But unfortunately, people who have experienced high levels of rejection, they always feel that the problem is on the outside of them when the problem is actually on the inside of them. Now, listen, people with low self-esteem, they come into a marriage And these are people, especially who've experienced rejection. They come into a marriage like a tire with a hole in it. Have you ever had a tire with a hole in it? Uh, Recently, uh, when I was coming back from Pastor Chad's 50th birthday, and uh, I drove my Bentley there. And on the way back, I hit a pothole. It wasn't a serious pothole, but I hit a pothole. And uh, that was a Saturday evening. And so when I came to church that morning, my tire was low. So I, I'm not sure why I got low, so I just stopped at the gas station and, and aired it up. Well, by the time church was, was over, guess what? My tire was low again. And people with low self-esteem, they come into a marriage like a tire with a hole in it. Listen, they expect their spouse or anyone for that matter to put air in their tire, but it's not going to last long. Watch this, before it's flat again. And here's why. Because the need is not for more air. The need is to repair the hole. And this is why people have affairs. This is why people cheat. And as much as they want to blame their spouse for their indiscretion, at the end of the day, they cheated because they are missing something inside of themselves. Can I get a better amen from the church? Amen. Amen. So here's the last one. These are reasons why causes of low, low, and I'm not going to, I'm just, let's see here. I'm just going to have to breeze through here. Uh, And that is lack of knowledge. A lot of people have low self-esteem because of lack of knowledge, whether that knowledge is spiritual or natural. So what are some things that people do when they have low self-esteem? Because some of you all don't know you have it. Even though you are about as controlling as a steering wheel, you have no clue that you have low self-esteem. So what are some of the things that people who have low self-esteem, what do they do? Here's the first one. They constantly try to impress others. People who are always trying to impress people, it's because they don't feel good about them. Number two, 
mostly they mostly give a negative response to compliments from others. If you go to somebody and say, oh, that's a nice jacket. Oh, man, this jacket is so old, man. I bought it from the thrill shop five years ago. Well, why couldn't you just say thank you? Because people with low self-esteem tend to give a negative response when somebody is complimenting them. Here's number three. People with low self-esteem, they often have negative self-talk and a negative vocabulary. Typically, people are negative. Everything that come out of their mouth is negative. Here's number four. Watch this now. They buy things and do things to improve themselves so they look better in the eyes of others. You didn't really buy that car because you wanted it. You buy that car because of how it makes you look on the inside. You bought that car because your neighbor just bought a new one. Or, watch this, they buy things or do things to improve the outside with the hopes that it will make them feel better on the inside. It's okay to buy new clothes. But my question is, do you have the clothes or do the clothes have you? Amen. Here's the next one. People who have low self-esteem tend to be a bragger and self-conceited. Here's the next one. They tend to take drugs or be sexually promiscuous because they really need that acceptance. Here's the next one. They tend to have the need for you to always compliment them or comment on how they look, how I 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 look. Well, you look like you did yesterday. (laughs) Here's the next one. People with low self-esteem tend to be controlling because since they have little belief in themselves, they tend to have little belief in others. So how do we overcome low self-esteem? Let's go here. How do we overcome this? Because some of you all's marriage will take a turn for the better if you get this. How? Do we overcome self-esteem? Here's the first, or low self-esteem. Here's the first one. We must take self-esteem out of the feeling realm and put it in the knowing realm. I'm going to say that again. We must take self-esteem out of the feeling realm and put it in the knowing realm. In other words, what I'm saying is most people, listen, they feel bad about themselves because it's based on their feelings. But I'm saying we're going to take self-esteem out of how we feel and we're going to put it over into the knowing category. Go to Job chapter 12. Go to Job 12. Here's the, the other verse I want you to go to. Job chapter 12, look at verse 1. Most people never consistently feel good about themselves because it just depends on their feelings in the morning. If I feel good, then I like myself. But if I don't feel good, then I really don't like myself. And so it's not about how you feel. It's about what you know. And in Job chapter 12, he really gives us a strong principle about this. In verse 1, Job answered and said, No doubt, but you are the people, and the wisdom shall die with you. Verse 3. He says, I have understanding. Everybody say understanding. Job says, I have understanding as well as you do. I am not inferior to you. He says, listen, I have understanding just like you do. In other words, I know what you know. And because I know what you know, I'm not inferior to you. Which says that inferiority comes from what I don't know. And most people have an inferiority complex because they don't know who they are in Christ. 
Watch what Job said in chapter 13. Go over to chapter 13 if you can. Look in verse 1. He says, Lo, my eyes have seen all this. My ear has heard and understood it. There's that word understand again. He says, What you know, the same do I know. I am not inferior unto you. And that's what makes people feel inferior. What makes you feel inferior is because you don't have a knowledge about who God has made you to be and what God has called you to do. See, once you know that, I, that's why I don't compare myself to other preachers. I know they can preach. I know T.D. Jakes. I mean, get ready, get ready. He can get ready. But I'll never be able to preach like him because I'm not supposed to. I love Pastor Joel Osteen. I love him. But I'm not supposed to preach like him because I'm not him. I'm okay with me. When you are okay with you, watch this now, authenticity and uniqueness comes out of you. And once that comes out of you, there is nobody else that can produce what you produce because you are one of a kind and your thumbprint ought to remind you of that. Here's the second reason or second thing we do to overcome. We must know that acceptance from God decreases the need to have acceptance from man. I'm going to say that again. We must know that acceptance from God decreases the need to have acceptance from man. Because in a lot of cases, what people think matters more to us than what God thinks about us. And that's why Ephesians 1, 6, which is one of my favorite verses, it says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein God has made us accepted in the Beloved. You have been accepted in the Beloved. God has accepted you just the way you are. He's accepted you because now you are a son. And if God has accepted me, I need to accept me. And I love that word accepted in the Greek because it also translates to the word highly favored. When the angel came to Mary in Luke chapter 1 verse 28 and the angel came and said, hey, Mary, you have been highly favored of God. That's the same word that's over here in, the, uh, in, the, in Ephesians that says accepted. So guess what? God has highly favored us. When you know that, then it decreases the need that you have to have acceptance from people. Because, see, when you need acceptance from people, it will limit you because if they don't feel you should step out and do something then you're probably not going to step out and do it see people don't know your potential because they didn't make you so why am i gonna rely so heavily on their opinion they don't know my potential they don't know what god's called me to do they don't know what gifted giftings god has given me they don't know the deposit that god has put inside of me so why should i let what they think about me matter here's the last one i'm out of time i'm sorry here's the last here's the next one this is how you overcome low self-esteem we must move self-esteem from the outside to the inside We must move self-esteem from the outside to the inside. In other words, I know you want to get your weave done. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I know you want to get your hair cut. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I know you want to wear nice clothes. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But see, if those things make you feel good about you, then your self-esteem are coming from those things. 
And when you read Jeremiah 1-4, I'll just close with this one. Jeremiah, the, the Bible says, the word of the Lord came to him and said, Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. And before you came out of the womb, I sanctified you. And I ordained you to be a prophet. And then he said, Oh, Lord, behold, I cannot speak. I'm a child. And the Lord said to him, Say not you are a child. You will go and do all of what I've said and, and whatever I've commanded you. Be not afraid of their faces, for I'm with you. Listen, God was focused on, watch this, who he's called Jeremiah to be and who Jeremiah was. And Jeremiah was focused on his performance. He was focused on the outside. And when your self-esteem is built from the inside out, man, come hell, come high water, come storms, doesn't matter. Watch this. Somebody can dump you at the altar. And you can walk away from that experience with your self-esteem intact because if they didn't know they were married, a good thing, shame on them. Because, see, I'm talking to somebody who you're still struggling from your last marriage. You're trying to figure out. See, I'm talking to somebody right now. See, right now I'm I'm being prophetic, so I don't know who I'm talking to. But I know I'm talking to somebody. You're still struggling from your last marriage because you're trying to understand why he let it go. Why he gave up. Why he, he dumped or whatever. You're trying to figure that out. And here's why you're trying to figure it out. Because you're trying to determine what was it about you that made him do that. It wasn't even about you. The Bible says a man is drawn away of his own lust. See, you got, you got your feelings all caught up in that. It wasn't even about you. Amen. So let's just talk about some practical steps. Here's practical steps to improve your self-esteem. These are practical things that I want you to write down. Number one, listen to this CD until you know every word I'm about to say. Just listen to it over and over and over. Listen, even those people who are motivational speakers ask you to do that. Here's number two. Make a card with verses on them that reinforce who you are in Christ and memorize them. Number three, these are practical things you can do every day. Do your best every day. A lot of people don't do their best. You go to work and you slack. Do you know when you slack, you won't feel good? Because God did not call you to slack. Do your best every day. Here's number four. Look your best every day. Amen. Go out. You don't have to dress up every day, but look your best. If you're going to have a t-shirt on, make sure it's ironed. If you're going to wear a weed, make sure it's straight. Come on now. Look the best you can that day. Amen. Number five. Develop a confession and say who you are out loud in Christ every day. I am the head and not the tail. I am above only and not beneath. God always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The Lord said that I... You see, when you, when you start saying who you are in the Lord, man, you'll start feeling good about you. Here's the next one. Improve what you can about you. And love what you can't. I'm going to say that again. Improve what you can about you. I mean, if you want a nose job, go get one. Improve what you can. But love what you can't. If you don't have the money for a nose job, love the one you're with. Amen. Let me tell you something. 
there is somebody on this earth for everybody. Have you ever seen some people be like, Ooh, my God, they were meant to be together. Here's the last one. This will help you in your marriage. Compliment your spouse to help them feel better about themselves. Just compliment them. Just, just one, one, one. Well, if I say once a day, that might be hard for some of y'all. Just, just compliment them. Compliment. Don't compliment necessarily what they did. You can do that, but compliment who they are. Amen. If they saw you, saw them, took some time to get themselves together, tell them. Hey, you look great today. And then after they faint, you pick them up, just hug them. (laughs) Next week, I'm going to be talking about drop the rocks. You don't want to miss that one. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I believe there is going to be a sweeping of God's spirit in this place right now that's going to erase some negative things about how you feel about yourself. I believe he's going to. And you say, well, Pastor, can that, all things are possible to him that believe. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, the name that is greater than every name. The name that's greater than low self-esteem. The name that's greater than inferior or uh, being inferior. The name that is greater than deficiency. I declare that name over this congregation. And I declare in Jesus' name, whatever negative feelings, whatever negative experiences, whatever things that have caused them to feel low and poor about themselves. Father, I pray that by your spirit, you will begin to sweep this room now. And begin to heal broken hearts. And begin, Father, to change lives. And I thank you in the name of Jesus that what's being said today is going to sink down deep. And each person will go home and work on this. They will work on being a better them. They will work on being a stronger them. They will work on being a better spouse. It won't even be about their spouse. It'll be about them. And I thank you for increasing how we feel about ourselves and how we can see who you are in us in Jesus' name. But every head still bowed, if you're here today and and if you die.